Hello and welcome back to a Coffee and Heroes podcast and welcome back to a review show for the Coffee and Heroes podcast. We are going to be going through some October titles this pod. Uh, plenty of great stuff to get through. Your host as always, Alan, owner of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. Joined as always by Mr. Keith Miller. Good evening, sir, and how are you? I am well. I look forward to these podcasts. I, I love our reviews podcasts. They're great steam. Good look at back on, on what you've You've read recently for me, uh, more recently than you, because I'm still a little, <laughs> uh, little behind on my, on my pull list. So, so what you're saying is we're covering October, and I have to, you know, deep into the dig into the deep recesses of my mind for something I read seven weeks ago. Yeah, and you're like, I read that yesterday. I read that last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be surprised if Keith is a little more detail oriented in this part as a result. Absolutely. So we are looking at books from October 2023. Uh, that was a four-week release month. A four-week release month, but still plenty oh, of titles yes. in the numbers. It was a strong one. and uh, um, Almost 200 comics between us. And this is our 229th episode. That it is. And yeah, plenty of great stuff to get through. I mean, before we do that, just a, a general State of the Union catch-up anyway. I mean, <laughs> what's the State of the Union? <laughs> state of the Union. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing with this being a reviews pod for comics that... You know, and I literally just thought of this about two minutes before we started recording. But, you know, we were both talking about how we haven't seen the Marvels. We haven't seen mm. Loki season two. Yeah. I didn't watch Secret Invasion. Um, no, this isn't an Andy Marvel. No, uh, no, not, comment, a, not no. at all. I mean, um, well, what's even been out from DC? I mean, yeah, I eventually yeah. caught the Flash. I still haven't seen Blue Beetle. Mm. No, um, I haven't watched you know, Blue Beetle. As yeah, an yeah. example. So, um, it, it's just interesting to me that like we will not let a week go by where we do not pick up our comics and by the time you get caught up of course sometimes life gets in the way whatever but we're always catching up on the comics but like the tv shows and movies we just we yeah can't, maybe the, the excitement's went down for them i don't know the quality maybe has dipped a bit you know why there's there's I mean, is it oversaturation talk of that. is it oversaturation don't know part of it is that um there's a lot of those shows that Bruna and I would watch together and, you know, very often I'm traveling or she's sort of down in Dublin or whatever, so we're not together to watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that said, we have been, uh, you know, Bruna's been off, so we have been together uh, and we're more caught up on uh, what I've been watching, Bodies, which is based on a comic book mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix. Uh, Spy Spencer, is that right? Yes. Uh, really great uh, adaptation with Stephen Graham. Uh, fantastic sort of police procedural time travel yarn. Uh, I've watched the first two episodes of Monarch. Uh, the I am uh, looking forward to oh that. Oh my goodness, is very very good indeed. Uh, inspired having Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell playing the same character at different ages. Yeah, I've seen a, a gif going around the internet of like a slow fade where it like it has Kurt Russell's face, and then it's a slow fade into Wyatt Russell, and you would swear it's the exact same yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the minute sort of in the music industry there's there's been a lot of it's kind of awards season so i've been over in glasgow for the scottish album of the year awards the welsh music prize in cardiff uh the uh, northern Ireland music prize uh which was uh, won by arborist mark cambridge uh his fantastic uh fantastic new album uh, well deserved win uh you know and traveling for conferences mm-hmm. and different things so you know, I haven't had a chance to, you know, again, I'd love to go and see the Marvels with Brona. You know, we've been seeing those movies together, you know, since we mm-hmm. haven't been able to get a chance to get our comic crew together to do it. So haven't seen that yet. 
uh, haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon, I haven't seen Napoleon, all ones that I'm really keen to see. Uh, so, I mean, it's harder for you to get out because of the baby, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but uh, it's just, it's at the minute, it's just been hard to get out. So, I mean, maybe get caught up over, over the festive season, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, just, as, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day with regards to, like, Marvel movies and the last four, the last five, I think, that have come out in the cinema, I saw one of them in the cinema, and that was Ant-Man, Quantumania. If there was one I wish I had a scene in the cinema, it was Guardians 3, because yeah. I watched that about a month ago, and yeah. it was absolutely yeah, it fantastic. Was really good, wasn't it? Uh, but I still haven't watched Black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, I begrudgingly watched The Eternals, because it really was not good. Uh, for me, anyway. Uh-huh. Um, you know, haven't seen the Marvels, despite the fact I think Miss Marvel is the best TV show they've done. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, I don't know, it's just weird, because it used to be, and again, this is in a pre-Alfie time, yes, of course. Yes. But uh, it used to be opening weekend. We were there. Yeah. You know, opening weekend, maybe even previews night we were there. And it's just, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, these these evenings, uh, being based where we are in Northern Ireland, uh, you know, we, we have very few hours of daylight. <laughs> and whenever it gets to the evening, you're like, uh, yep. just gonna, Maybe that's part of it. Because obviously yeah. since you've moved, you know, you're in Dunmurray now. It used to be that you were literally round the corner from your choice of cinemas you know yeah yeah, yeah. well i mean the the, the lisburn omnipix is class yeah it's great and it's only around the corner you know really so so, so what's your excuse keith it's what? just it's it, I th- the dark nights close in and it, it just gets batman closes the, in that the dark knight closes in quite <laughs> <laughs> you know and he's here for the next few months so but uh you know it just makes it harder to get out the door now i mean uh, yeah i mean i was, uh, was lucky enough to get out on monday night the there was a a uh a, a Palestine fundraising gig uh, in the black box uh, with some fantastic artists playing uh, from north and south. So that was uh, managed to get out the door for that. And uh, yeah, as I say, a few gigs in Glasgow and different things, Brown Bear and the Joy Hotel. But uh, yeah, just whenever you get home. And, and also because I've been traveling so much, you're kind of yeah. like, you're like, I kind of. When wanna... you get home, you want to yeah. put your feet up. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting because, you know, obviously all this superhero stuff, certainly the Marvel stuff, is all on Disney Plus. And I've been watching Disney Plus a lot recently, but I haven't been watching Marvel stuff. Yeah. You know, I watched all of Welcome to Wrexham, uh, which right. is, of course is the Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney documentary. Uh, we just finished three seasons of Only Murders in the Building, which is Steve Martin, Martin uh, Short, yes, uh-huh. uh, which is pretty damn, and Selena Gomez. It's pretty uh-huh. damn fantastic. I'm must a bit, have a look, must have a look. I'm a bit disappointed now. I don't have any. It, you, when we started watching it, it was like, ooh, three seasons uh-huh. worth. And now it's, oh, uh. got to wait until the next one. Because <laughs> each season, they always leave breadcrumbs of what the next season will be about. Yes. And they did that again with this one. The, the third season had Paul Rudd in it. It had Meryl Streep in it. Like, it really has grown in stature over the years it's it's been on but I highly highly recommend must, it must have a wee look must have a wee look um you mentioned you're rewatching the sopranos yeah vicky's never seen it i mean i've i've watched the sopranos start to finish thing twice before well that's I've, an undertaking yeah i mean i think it has a case of being i mean it's certainly top five tv shows of all time possibly top three possibly top two i mean it is just cutting edge uh-huh. top it's level great stuff. great stuff you know television and i'm really really enjoying watching through it again so we're we're about halfway through season two at this point uh-huh. um so yeah really enjoying to rewatch Did you watch that. the uh the many saints of new newark no, no i i know it was the same creative talent involved and all the rest and it was even i think james gandolfini's son playing yeah, yeah. tony soprano yeah. and stuff i i don't really have the urge to go into the past yeah fair. if it had been a tv show maybe because better call saul clearly proved that you can make a prequel and not only can it stand side by side it can possibly eclipse yes absolutely what came before it but i think it 
it almost seems like an afterthought just yeah. being a movie to me i don't know and there was a number of years past uh-huh. you know oh i don't know but yeah. kind of like camino El Camino was it, all yeah. right, you know, it was, it was entertaining okay, enough. Yeah, was, and yeah. It was nice to see Jesse get a happy ending, I suppose, yeah. but it wasn't essential to your No, definitely not. That. Definitely not. But yeah, good watch. We uh, we just finished uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nine-Nine! Nine-Nine! Uh, I think we're on about our ninth rewatch of Brooklyn yeah, Nine-Nine. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and uh, we're into Invincible Season 2. Uh, Still haven't started that. Again, I mean, I, I, I could ask this all the time in the shop, but it's just because you were so kind to lend me the books because you were... You were determined to get me to read the books uh-huh. before the show started uh-huh. for the simple reason of the big twist that I believe happens at the end of episode one in the show, but took 12 or 13 issues. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, they, yeah they reveal Omni-Man's... Oh, okay. like, oh yeah, I suppose they do because you're seeing some background stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas that was a massive twist, 12, 13 issues into mm. the series. So you were like, look, experience that twist before the yeah, show happens. Uh, so maybe I've just read it all too recently. I will jump into it. Very at some point. possible. Very. It's been a wee bit longer since I read it. So yeah, no, it's definitely definitely worth a watch for sure. Definitely worth a watch. Um, I mean, I'm still very far behind in the Star Wars stuff. Um, we're weirdly uh, up to date on the Crown. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. Not, I was not expecting the neither, conversation to take that. Neither myself nor Bruna are royalists, but. It's quite a well-produced show. It's a wee bit hinky now because it's at a time, it's now a period of time that you remember quite well. Uh, so I think we're now just watching it to the end because there's like five more episodes, four more episodes left in the whole series. Now it's nice, so, uh, <laughs> of all shows, I, I did know, not expect you I to know. watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, and I, um, I, in my rewatch of Star Trek, I have completed Voyager, realizing that there were a lot of episodes that I had not seen at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm into Enterprise, which I'm quite enjoying. Uh, so it's just... It's, it's taking a wee while to get going. Is that you just trying to rebalance your chi after watching the yeah, crown? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. You don't feel dirty sitting and, watching uh, that. And they, they, there's some great actors in it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also finished season one of the Expanse and started season two of big favorite of Martin's. Who won't hear this because he stopped listening to the podcast. He did. Uh, you know, we 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 have some bad uh, opinions on Batman, unfortunately. <laughs> so my pick of the month is Batman. No, it's not really. Um, I've actually anyway, no DC titles this month. Um, how are things in Coffee and Heroes? The store store is great. Yeah, we recently had a signing, of course, with a double signing with Derek Landy and yes. PJ Holden were in. That was, you know, really nice to see some new faces in the store, which was great. You know, was lots of younger sorry audience to there. Miss it. Yeah, I know you were on one of your many travels work-wise. Uh, well, actually, I was in Spain, wasn't I? Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah, How was, dare you yes, take a holiday? Know, yeah. How dare you? Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was a great crowd. Um, they, they signed all the books as well. We've It's really interesting because I ordered massively on Bad Magic. Um, and it was really fun being on the phone to um, HarperCollins because they said to me, oh, I take it you're doing buy to return or sale of return. I was like, sorry. And they said, Oh, if you don't sell like 50 of them, you'll just send this back, send them back to us and we'll refund it. Uh-huh. And I said, no, why would I do that? I'm not planning to sell them all this weekend. Like, we'll sell them over time. So he was really chuffed with that. He even gave me some extra copies, which was nice. But um, Derek and PJ were good enough to, to sign them all before they left. Oh. And then about two weeks ago, I put it up on Twitter. I thought I should add some of these to the website because not everybody's going to come into the store to, yeah. to pick it up. So I put it on the website and put a tweet out about it. And both Derek and PJ retweeted it, both saying this is the only place in the whole of the UK that you can get signed copies by both of them. What? Because Derek mostly did the the tour on his own. Uh-huh. And genuinely within three days, I think I sold 35 copies. It just was just going to England, going oh. to Scotland, going to Wales. I had people from Germany message me asking for copies. Well done. Uh, which was pretty cool. Um, 
slightly higher postage thanks brexit uh-huh. uh but uh yeah no it, it was it was quite the uh, reach out of people yeah. who wanted it that's so. class that is class and it only spreads the name of the store a little further well that's that's the other that's the other positive impact yeah. of it as well Wouldn't so be the first time someone traveling from further climbs has popped in to say hello indeed indeed so it's uh yeah so the the signing was great you know stores nice and busy you know we're leading up to christmas of course i've been massively going overboard in the amount of graphic novels i've been getting in to the point where i had to record two shows this week because i forgot about a big pie behind the counter <laughs> i saw that yeah very very funny <laughs> i just i i finished uh recording i was editing i just turned to my left and went oh uh, crap no. <laughs> and it was all great stuff it was saga volumes and it was spider-man by tom taylor and it was like stuff you could miss i can't not do this yep. So I actually recorded that while we were open. No one came in. Thankfully. Yeah, I, I noticed that that you you were behind every so often. It's like cool, you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, so, uh, but yeah, no, we're going overboard. Like the store is is busting at the seams with great stuff. Um, so of course, if you need recommendations, chat away to us. Of course, we do gift vouchers in case you're not sure what to get for people. But uh-huh. the store is the the stock levels and the the variety and the choice in store. It's never been higher. So uh, yeah, it's going really well. Chris is doing a great job. You know, he's he's really stepped up really allowed me to enjoy time with Alfie uh, a little bit of time to myself as well outside of the store but I end up going down there on a Thursday anyway yeah 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 <laughs> I have to say and uh and I'll say this now simply because uh by the time this goes out the event will have already happened but uh we have quite the curious meeting this week with uh, a customer coming in so oh. we're recording this on the Wednesday night we have uh I say we because Keith has insisted on being there. Yeah. Uh, we have a customer coming into the store who inherited a rather great collection from their dad. And uh, they were wanting to talk about it getting graded for CGC. And this is basically resulting in us getting to see in person books that we probably thought we would never get to see. Like we are talking Amazing Fantasy 15. We are talking X-Men number one. We are talking Fantastic Four number one. Um, so there's there's quite a lot of sweat coming from my brow as I even think about getting these graded. But uh, yeah, we've got like a private meeting and looking through some of those books. I mean, that that's kid in the candy store type stuff. Yeah. But when I told Keith about the initial uh, inquiry, he said, uh, "So if if they get brought in, can 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 I be there? Any chance? You yeah. know, just yeah. just just for it." And I was like, "You can be my security guy. It's Perfect. Fine. Sounds good. So. I've been. I mean, I've been training hard. You know, at the gym and in the dojo. So. It's all been leading to this. Yeah. That's why this you moment. started this decades ago. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, that's going to be quite the thrill, I would say. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a lovely story. You know, her dad started collecting in the eighties. He just decided, for whatever reason, she said, to start collecting first appearances. So he probably bought an Amazing Fantasy fifteen for I don't know five hundred quid at that point, mm-hmm. which was, yep. which and still is a lot of money for a comic book. But you know, that comic book graded in a high grade, add a couple of zeros to it, minimum. Oof. So uh, yeah, that could be that could be quite cool. But yeah, yeah I'm only saying that on this now because. By the time this goes out, that meeting will have taken place. There will be no uh, queues of people waiting outside the yeah, store. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, <laughs> no, that I mean that's a great opportunity. It's a testament to you know the words you've put out and the trust you've built that uh, is um, this person is willing to come to you in order to get it uh, to get it slabbed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good good work again. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm looking forward to it. Don't awful sleep tonight. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, just by chance, I'm off tomorrow. Uh, so by chance, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. by chance. Yeah. Well, again, loads of toy, <laughs> loads of annual leave because I work so hard. I can't argue yeah. with that. I can't argue. With that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, no things. Things are all good, and uh, yeah, we've been keeping up to date. I've been really on top of my pull list. I know you've obviously had um, 
a lot of traveling and yeah. the holiday and you, uh, know. you know funny enough i went i went on holiday uh i always complain that whenever i whenever i'm working uh you know i go to a hotel i take maybe 10 15 books with me i read maybe one uh and then i bring them all back home with me uh whereas whenever i went on holiday i took 20 books with me i had them read the first day <laughs> oh crap why <laughs> didn't i yeah, bring more absolutely but i didn't have the room to bring anymore yeah so it was uh so yeah so i was doing quite well there but i only had the 20 books so that put me behind and then traveling to the various bits and pieces uh award ceremonies and, and and conferences and such has put me behind a wee bit further but i've got a lot of holiday coming up uh so in the next few in the next week i should have caught up uh well i say that but to friday morning myself and uh some of the booking team from the amazing standall festival in limavati are heading down to dingle which is the exact other end of the country uh, in order to uh, hang out for three days and uh, go to a festival called Other Voices, which is like a a new and emerging artist Irish artist festival to to look for to look for acts. So I'll I'll take some comics with me, but the chances <laughs> of reading any of them are are, are slim. So uh, the road is paved with the best intentions. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. It is. But so. but yeah, no, I I've kept up the date. I mean, I've implemented different ways of keeping up the date obviously with having Alfie and all the rest it can be a little challenging because if he sees me open a book on the sofa he's straight over as if to go oh what's that uh-huh. which I hope he does for the rest of his life and uh is you know has the interest that I have but uh I've kept him top of my reading really well so there was tons of great books in October only a four-week month as Keith says but yeah tons and tons of great stuff I mean I suppose we should you know have our overlook at october i mean yeah. you had uh 10 more titles than me almost nine more titles what's yeah, going on absolutely uh, these marvel yeah. books i tell you i think that's what that's that's what it is i have uh i think what 16 more marvel books than you 16 more marvel books um i've more indie and more dc but only back couples yeah. so i mean my my total for october so four weeks 93 titles so you know keith and i have talked about trying to strip back a little bit so i mean that that's not too bad that's like 21 22 books a month yeah, yeah. no that's actually more and that's right it's about 27 yeah. jesus no, i haven't cut down no, at all no 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 i well i'm in 102 that's 20 that's about 20 25 25 yeah. and change a month so you're on a wee bit less than that you've been 22 yeah, so 93 for me 30 dc 22 marvel and india is always is my biggest one which yeah. is 41 102 for me, 26 DC, 38 Marvel, and 38 Indie. So 38 and 38. Um, it was a it was a massive month, like with regard to quality. It was hugely strong, um, especially that last week. Yeah, the final week of the month was really strong. Um, I mean, uh, Doctor Strange eight. Uh, I mentioned because. We picked Doctor Strange as I think as as lately as six or seven, mm-hmm. and that's this sort of uh, war general storyline, you know, where where uh, the 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 Vistani, the Vistani, no, the what do you call them? I'm, I'm Vishanti. Vishanti, there you go. I'm the Vistani are a, a group of travelers from Ravenloft, Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, this just tells you how much Keith talks about <laughs> Doctor Strange because yeah. I don't read it. Exactly. And I was able to pull Vishanti out of the Vishanti, air. Vishanti, yeah, you know, or in, the, or in this, this war and the, you know, this Strange, they, they pulled Strange out of out of his life and, uh, and promised to put him back where they got him. And he ended up in this 5,000 year war that made him into a, a, like a war general, this like dog of war. And, and they 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 then sort of set him aside and put Strange back where they got him, and now this War General, this version of Strange, has reappeared, and uh, is it's it's an absolutely fantastic storyline by Jed McKay. I just didn't want to pull it up again, 
Um, did you read No Rest for the Wicked, No Man's Hand, the special edition? No, it was a, a low print run graphic novel and I had a late request for it. So the copy mm. I'd ordered him for myself ended up in their hands. Well, you must take my copy home with you this evening. It was absolutely fantastic. But I mean, you want to talk silly size books. It's uh, an incredibly silly, silly size book. Silliest yeah, of size books. <laughs> but definitely you've got to, you've got to grab that. That was, that was really fantastic. Yeah. Um, we're not going to talk about Wonder Woman 2 because Wonder Woman 1 was so brilliant, but 2 was as brilliant. Um, Damn them all, Cy Spurrier's uh, book has just gone from strength to strength. Um, you know, we, we picked it most lately at number four. Number nine was out this month. And they're they're focusing a lot more on, on Ellie and uh, and her history and, you know, uh, the, the demons that have come to London and all of that. We're not going to talk about Nightwing uh, 107, the Shock. fantastic cover, the uh, <laughs> Stay for the Ocean's... Come for the ocean's Come beauty. Ocean, stay for Nightwing's, Nightwing's booty. pirate booty. Yeah. So, mm. but what I'm really enjoying about that is Tom Taylor is pulling the some of the stuff from the Rick Grayson era. You know, whenever Nightwing had been shot in the head and and all of that. And he's, I mean, that's I enjoyed some of that stuff. It was hard going. Like I was going to say, is this your reward for persevering? Because almost, now those threads yeah, are being paid off. It almost feels like it. You know, yeah. there was some good stuff in there. Some great characters such as B, who was who was Rick Grayson's lover, uh, who obviously whenever uh, the the Nick the, the Dick Grayson personality reasserted it himself. He dropped her fast. He kind of did, yeah. He kind of did, and it wasn't fair. <laughs> you know, but what else are you going to do? Like, mm. um, So so <clears throat> having her backstory uh, like really uh, fleshed out and, and, and linked to the current Nightwing stuff is really, really cool. Um, Newburn. Hit number twelve, Chip Zdarsky's new bird. That's one that we have never selected. Jacob Phillips, yeah, yeah, as a as a pick of the month because it just is so good all the time. I think um, so. It, it's doing some good stuff and uh, rare flavors we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, Ram V and Felipe Andrade, of course, the team that did many deaths of Lila Star. Yeah, absolutely, you could get some recipes out of that book. You really could. Yeah. I mean, it even goes into full, you know, a full template yeah, of yeah. ingredients and processes and all sorts so if you want to get some really cool looking indian cooking i think yeah uh, ram has uh, inserted quite a, yeah, a few absolutely, interesting ones there, absolutely. waiting so, for the spin-off cookbook so it was massively strong month whenever that's the stuff that we're not going to talk about yeah i mean i mean on top of that as well you know he captain america too j yes. michael straczynski continued uh-huh. on i love seeing the younger steve just standing up the nazi rallies and yeah, the there, there's definitely a sniff of you know the i could do this all day steve from captain america the first avenger there you yeah. know very much so. Uh, I really enjoyed Wesley Dodd's Sandman number one. I thought. Very good, yeah. I think it was the perfect marriage of writer with uh, artist because that is Riley Rossmo's wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm not haven't also haven't often been a fan of Riley Rossmo, uh, but this this book, this yeah, pulpy hero seems to yeah, suit yeah, that art really, style. Really cool. I thought Big Game ratcheted up with issue four, issue five. I can guarantee you right now, I will be talked about next month. Okay, because issue five was how you've finish off an event okay book. good good um so there was tons of great stuff i mean i picked up some good um omnibuses along the way as well i mean i've been collecting i'm, I'm two omnibuses deep in terms of my reading but i've been picking up the ed brubaker captain america omnibuses so there's five in total the fifth one came out which is the trial of captain america so that brings to an end uh, the okay. end of that brubaker yes. run I picked up the um, Nice House in the Lake Deluxe Edition. I just think it'll read better in that way for for the inevitable reread. Speaking of Brubaker and Omnibuses, have you picked up that Immortal Iron Fist Omnibus yet? I... Is that not my fraction? Fraction. Brubaker's in there as well. Oh, it's Brubaker as well. I think of it as Fraction and Asia, I think, does Ardon as well. Uh, Hawkeye team. I do have that, yeah. 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 Um, 
I also picked up the Moonshine Complete Collection, which is Bran Azzarello and Eduardo Risso. That is the uh, 100 Bullets team, uh, which basically marries together werewolves with Prohibition Era America. Great, great book. I've, I've read it in singles before, but lovely uh, complete collection for that. So yeah, it was just a, a great month of titles, and you know we haven't even got to what we thought were the the ten best of the month. Mm-hmm. I mean, still picking ten titles despite it being a four week month—that's commitment, uh-huh. right there. It's. Uh, I mean, I think the five the five works well. It means you can. I'm I'm not necessarily, you know, I'll usually have my top title from that week, but sometimes the second best title from another week will top yeah. the best title from. I agree. You know, so. I agree with that all day long. So, but yeah, it's, it's it's quite the interesting mix that we've got because this may be a first, dear listener. There is not one DC book in our picks of the month. <sighs> Disgusted with myself. Uh, Usually, I'm representing, but this month I am very much representing indie books. It's going to be um, DC across the board next month, isn't it? Yeah, it might just have to be. I might just have to rebalance my chi, <laughs> you know, so you don't in feel the dirty. same way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know for my picks this month, for example, four of them are indie books. Uh, although calling one of them an indie book, given it's one of the biggest franchises in comics, is quite a stretch, uh, which we'll certainly get to. Uh, and then I've won Marvel titles, so no DC, but well. But that's only because the other stuff was so, so good. So I'll kick things off um, with my first pick, and that is actually a hardcover graphic novel. This was one that was solicited a long time ago. I, that, honestly, this felt like it was solicited about nine or ten months ago. Uh, I follow the the creator on Instagram. They would tease pages every so often. Um, that book is Noir Burlesque. It's a original hardcover written and drawn by Enrico Marini, who is an Italian artist. And if ever there was an original graphic novel that was aimed squarely at me, this was it. You know, it's it's in the name. It's in the name. It's, burlesque. I know you love burlesque. Oh, it's all about that burlesque. <laughs> all about that burlesque. Um, but no, the reason is, I mean. Enrico Marini was the writer and artist on Batman The Dark Prince Charming. I don't think you've read that. It's, no, it's an original graphic. I've got it. I can add it to your ever-increasing reading pile, no problem. Uh, but that was actually the first time a European was trusted with Batman to write and draw. Mm-hmm. Batman has always been written or drawn by Americans, Canadians, or British creators. And that's ah, it. So interesting fact. It is a brilliant, brilliant book. Um, and then this one, of course, is squarely in the crime noir genre. You know, I'd be looking forward to this for a long time. So suffice to say, it did not disappoint. I mean, just to set the scene here. You know, the, sorry, the book was? Noir Burlesque. Noir Burlesque. Uh, just to set the scene, I got the wee man to sleep. I pulled up a chair, poured a whiskey, lit a cigar. What was the whiskey? It was Jack Daniel's Single Barrel Silver Select. Okay. One ice cube. Uh, I had a lovely cigar, and I had Jerry Goldsmith's score to Chinatown playing in the background. Good choice. Oh, this was perfect. This was perfection. You know, the mood was set. Mm-hmm. Um, so the blurb for Noir Burlesque is, after a holdup gone wrong, Slick finds himself deep in the red with local mafia boss, Rex. But that's not the only thing setting them at odds. They also have their set set on the same woman, the beguiling Caprice. She's engaged to Rex and headlines his club, where she thrills the nightly crowd. She's off limits. But Slick has never been one for limits. And he has unfinished business with Caprice, who was once his own sweetheart before the war pulled them apart. After all these years, there's no love lost between them, but that doesn't mean the old spark isn't alive. And now they're playing with fire. Taking inspiration from the Hollywood noir films of the 1950s, Enrico Marini delivers a gritty graphic novel combining crime, love, jealousy, and betrayal. I mean, it's all in the description there. This really did feel like an old-school Hollywood movie. Every noir trope you can think of was on full display. You know, the femme fatale our hero has a past with. 
the fact the fact the past is not finished with them the insecure crime boss the double crosses the heist gone wrong the hero with a war riddle past <laughs> the corrupt cops you know all on display here but it's all delivered with such confidence and skill and clearly a genuine love for the genre and you know, this is where you'll now want to borrow this off me. It reminded me a lot of the works of Brubaker and Phillips, mm -hmm. you know. Okay. And yep. No higher, no higher compliment, there, can yeah. I say. Yeah, absolutely. What you were saying there, I was going, oh, how does this compare to Night Fever? How does it compare to, you know, some of This is know, like criminal, but criminal, 70s. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, very much so. I mean, I can offer no higher compliment than that. Right. And, you know, the reason it reminds me of what they do is because it's these conventions which will always be adhered to, but they're delivered in a stylish and violently pleasing way. You know, there's shootouts where you can feel every blown bullet. There's sexual chemistry dripping off the page. In other words, this book is absolutely stunning. Like, the, the art in this is incredible. It's presented in an almost black and white style with splashes of color. But it's not the hyper-realism of something like Sin City. It's, you know, it's more, as I say, of an ode to, you know, black and white movies. So it's, it's more like a paint stroke brush and it's more like watercolors, that kind of thing. But it's a book that it really makes you appreciate the craft of comic storytelling. You know, each time is, each page is worth taking your time over. You know, pour over the details, appreciate the level of work that's went into it. And the main thing is, I just really hope that Enrico Marina is hard at work on a follow up as it ends on a hell of a cliffhanger. Ooh. So uh, yeah, up there were the best books of the year for me. And as I say, more than welcome to borrow it. Yeah. Beautiful hardcover. It is slightly silly size, but it sits nicely on your bookshelf as opposed to those single issues. Yeah, but. You know, just looking at that oh, art style. Oh my goodness, that is it is that's beautiful. Yep, that is right up my street. Absolutely glorious. So, yeah. um, yeah, fantastic. Noir burlesque, my first pick from October. Lovely. Um, I'm going to who published Noir burlesque? Noir burlesque. It's hard case crime. So I believe it was Titan Comics oh, okay. handled the printing but hard case crime is sort of like an imprint of theirs okay and it's really funny because no matter what the book they always put the same stephen king quote at the top of it hard case crime presents good clean bare knuckled storytelling this is an exciting <laughs> line of books um well if you've got that quote why not the know? only the only other books i read personally in this is a book called gun honey uh, -huh. uh which also had a, a spin-off called heat seeker but uh, yeah, they're basically like hard crime. Yeah, yeah, noir, I get you. you I know? get you. Cool, 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 cool. Sounds great. Lovely first pick. Thank you very much. I will definitely uh, take that off your hands at some point in the near future. I won't do it to you now whenever I'm three weeks behind in my pool list, however. <laughs> uh, you might not see it for a wee while. Um, so I am also going to pick something that is not of our time. Uh, Image Comics, uh, and that is Universal Monsters Dracula number one, which I believe we both read. We did indeed. Uh, the writer was uh, James Tinian IV, who needs no introduction in this parish. Uh, likewise, his artistic partner, Martin Simmons. Uh, and this is going to be released, this was released, sorry, uh, on uh, October the 25th. So it was the last week of the month, which we said was a very, very strong week. So, with, I mean, with the creative team from department of truth uh where oh where are you department of truth uh, that's been a while that's yeah been a while. yeah they're at the helm combined with the most viscerally undeniable modern horror classic of all time uh this was an absolute must for my pull list and it did not disappoint on any level this really is a case of an ideal pairing of uh of creators uh on an ideal title for them i mean obviously given the title of the book universal monsters dracula 
this miniseries is an adaptation of an adaptation. So it's it's a retelling of the of the tale of Garrett Fort directed nineteen thirty one Bella Lugosi adaptation of Dracula, which is an, in turn is an adaptation of the Bram Stoker classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it very difficult to imagine anyone not having some familiarity with the source material, given how absolutely pervasive it is. Yeah. Uh, but even if it is the case, you know, readers with any familiarity will will immediately recognize the 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 stereotypes or the the array of characters from the like pathetic but extremely threatening and extremely dangerous Renfield, mm-hmm. the familiar of Dracula, um, to the uh, sort of fun-loving, flirty Lucy Westerner. Um, but those people who aren't familiar with the story of Dracula who lack the knowledge of what's coming will absolutely not struggle for any second to grasp the, the setting and upon absolutely intended the stakes <laughs> just hard to do it <laughs> absolutely so Universal Monsters Dracula 1 starts by introducing Dr. John Seward a doctor who runs an asylum uh, and his uh, creepy uh, new patient uh, who sort of claims to be demon possessed or serving a master and as Seward sort of tries to wrangle with his mystery of, of making this man well through various uh, means that were I suppose appropriate at the time uh, draining, draining his blood and such um, things take a sinister turn and Lucy his daughter gets entangled in a web of danger and uh mystery initiated by the infamous Count Dracula um, it seems the first issue seems very faithful mm-hmm. uh, but uh, Tinian's writing adds a whole layer of depth that, that maybe makes it more engrossing and he does that by I suppose in a way that the, the movies and the camp and the, and the original book didn't by examining the character's inner psychology you know their inner their inner organs their inner thoughts you know yeah those sorts of things and he you know he delves into those thoughts he delves into those motivations and he makes characters that like Renfield like Lucy like Seward you know who we all know it makes them makes them more complex and more relatable I think in that way and you know you, you can see them reacting to the supernatural events that unfold around them and and how that, how that changes their beliefs, their their ideologies as 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 they clash with the reality of what they're of what they're seeing. You know, it's uh, and that that makes it more resonant. You know, more uh, more grounded, more emotional. I think than 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 any other way I've seen this story. And yeah, I mean, it's such a supernatural story, but grounding it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's the power of it's the power of comics. You know, it's the power of of the medium and and the the real experts that are working on the medium and obviously we've got these dialogue oriented sequences plot and detail and i mean obviously simmons is a co-creator here rather than writer and artist because the way this is written it's absolutely designed you know so that 
it takes advantage of Martin Simmons' unique style, which we've seen so beautifully rendered in Department of Truth. There's these splashes and silent sequences and these just the familiar is made really, really creepy, really, really terrifying. Um, so one of the highlights of Dracula 1 is the artwork. I mean, Martin Simmons' style is absolutely captivating. It matches this perfectly. It's unique. It's in places. It's it's abstract. I've compared him to Bill Sinkovich before. Uh, some of his sort of earlier stuff and current stuff as well. Yeah. Um, it just adds this atmosphere to the story. It keeps it off balance. Um, you have Renfield as this serving this mad servant of this master, and he's he's absolutely disturbing. Totally fits the tone of this comic. Um, and if you remember from the first issue, Renfield appears sometimes as this, just this black... Almost a ghoulish appearance. Like a void yeah. nearly sometimes. Yeah. And he's, he's just pure these, white yeah, with big black yeah, eyes. And yeah. these silhouettes of flies and, and you know insects creeping around him, which of course I think in the original story what gives him his, his, his power, any powers he has is from eating insects, the small, mm-hmm. the small blood... Um, so it's it's it really is fantastic this update of the world through through uh, Simmons' art uh, and it just it's just nightmare nightmarish and predatory and any sort of any sort of inkling of Dracula as sort of campy that sort of iteration sort of crept up in the eighties and the nineties is absolutely banished by yeah. this you know it's just it's just fantastic stuff fantastic what did you reckon yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the art that definitely grabs you the most in this book. And what's cool about that is, and I think you experienced this yourself with uh, with Bruno, for example, is that if you're reading that book and someone catches it out of the corner of their eye, it's so distinctive looking yeah. that you can't help but lean over and sort of go, oh, what's, what, what's that you're reading? Yeah. You know, I mean, we know Tinian knows the, these kind of supernatural worlds inside and out, mm-hmm. and he's surrounded himself with some of the best artists to realize these things, whether it's... Alvaro Martinez Bueno and Nice House, or it's Werther de la Dera and Something's Killing the Children, and then, as you say, Martin Simmons with this. So, yeah, perfect artist for this book. I mean, that this is a book a lot of people came to late. Mm. Um, we had maybe six, seven people for it, but I was like, this is going to be big. This is going to be mm-hmm. Tinian level yeah. big. So I ordered in 25 copies, which is four times the amount of pre-orders. Uh-huh. We sold out of it two days into it. Uh-huh. Um, now all those people signed up for the books Second Prince came out, people bought that uh-huh. Local Comic Store Day Connecting Variants came out, people bought that um, this this is a book that people are into in a big way and I think uh-huh. it's the kind of book you would gift to someone who's not a comic fan because uh-huh. they just think of like the traditional four colours and the panels and it's superheroes punch each other in the face uh-huh. it's a lesser art form, whatever you show them this, this is high art done in oh, this book you know so they have been charmed by the lord of the vampires and who wouldn't be <laughs> especially with this book i mean what i'm looking forward to seeing is what image does from here in terms of universal monsters yeah that that banner is very deliberate because it's really annoying because in all my pull lists i have this under d for dracula yeah. not you for universal monsters but on my invoice from diamond it says universal monsters dracula so you got to put it under you when you're checking the invoice yeah yeah under on my and my ordering it's under you yeah and clz is under you so I really hope that this is the start of maybe Universal Monsters Frankenstein, yeah. Universal oh. Monsters Wolfman. I could I could see Martin Simmons on any of those. Well, that's it'd be interesting to see him yeah. do it all, but at the same time, a that'll keep him away from Department of Truth, and b it would be nice to see 
other people's interpretations maybe no i'm really curious to see what image do with universal monsters i mean there's those properties haven't really been touched in comics yeah. for years yeah. and their gold mine just mm-hmm. went as long as they're taken with the same level of seriousness and craft as this was so yeah, yeah great pick i think either of us could have picked this for this month uh very very easily i think so so uh universal monsters dracula number one so what's next for you sir well we're going to stay a within the realms of image and b within the realms of either of us could have picked this this month because when i read this i put it straight into our group chat of this issue was the best issue of this series and i think obviously you were behind in your reading but you came in a couple of weeks later and i think you very much agreed with that sentiment mm-hmm. uh that series is far par and that issue is number 28 so far par we've mentioned it many times in this pod uh we've always been big fans from the graphic novel sized intro to the book to the single issues mm-hmm. the art style has been fantastic and uh written by robert kirkman so you know you're always going to get a good yarn a martial arts book by robert kirkman i'm in Chris Draw- Samney and Art, yep. Drawn by Chris Samney. Yep. And uh, damn you both, how can you play with my heartstrings like oh that? Oh my God. Uh, yeah, as I say, this may well very be the best issue of their opus. And as we hurtle towards the conclusion, you know, we know we're going we're gonna to finish this off strongly. So this issue 28, I say hurtle towards a conclusion. It's scheduled to end at issue 30. Mm. And the other thing with this issue is it might actually be Kirkman's wet dream issue, to be honest, realized at last. And why you ask that man loves a splash page. Oh, yes, he does. Like, seriously, go back and look through The Walking Dead or Invincible or Oblivion Song, to name but a few. You will find plenty of examples. I mean, he even talks about it a lot in the cutting room floor. Anytime there's one on The Walking Dead, he's like, time for a standard Kirkman copyrighted splash page. You know, in fairness, he always utilizes them in a way that's dramatic and powerful. They're not gimmicky in the slightest, but... With issue 28, it is an entire issue of splash pages, and that further allows Samney's amazing art to, to just absolutely sing. But it's the structure of the book that's really, really interesting as well. So it takes the form of Doug, the, the son, the son, of, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing letters to his grandparents as they make their way across the country to meet them. Now, at this point, the whole family have the firepower within them. They can all stand up to these huge battles they know they're going to have to work together to take down this dragon that is essentially terrorizing the world but this this narrative as i say or sorry this setup this structure it allows the narrative to move at a at a breakneck pace to be honest you know as doug can update them on how the family's powers are evolving what battles they're going through along the way how hard it is on all of them emotionally and physically but crucially how they're all sticking together as a family and they find enormous strength and solace in that but the heartbreaking thing that runs through the issue is they can't wait to meet up with the grandparents mm-hmm. and share a warm embrace if you listened to this podcast a few years back and heard me getting welling up at spider bite <laughs> there's yeah, the possibility yeah. of it happening yeah, here again. yeah it's, it's going and i'm gonna throw it out now spoiler warning for the issue because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna have to discuss the last few pages but, uh, but before they can get to that, you know, hopefully seeing their grandparents, sharing a warm embrace, they have the small matter of a large dragon to take down in the world to save. You know, the action sequences are great. They carry weight, they carry power, they carry scale. And they take a real toll in the Johnson family. But, but they know they have a responsibility to do everything they can given the situation and, and the powers they it's, have to combat it's this. really the horrors of war isn't it like it really it's... is because one page might be this spectacular action scene but the next page might be them all cowering in the shadow of nightfall and recovering from what they just went through and not being able to sleep and 
wide-eyed and I'm almost traumatized by it, you know. But everything in this issue is perfection. You know, the writing, the art, the story beats, the pacing, and unfortunately that emotional gut punch at the end. I mean, the only time there's a double splash page is the second to last part. So, as I say, there's there's next to no, in fact, there's no dialogue through this issue. It's all the, the equivalent of thought bubbles, but in this case, narration and the form of the letters. And every few pages, it'll start with like, dear grandma and grandpa. So you get to the last couple of pages and you get this absolutely heartbreaking dialogue where Doug has said, I'm not even going to mail this letter. I'm going to hand it to you. You can read it while you look right at me. And then you turn the page. Are you looking at me right now? I can't wait to see the look in your face. And you turn the page and he's lying there. He's obviously been caught in the crossfires. How excited are you? Love, Doug. And the thing is, it's the perfect mirror of the first page so the first page is the granddad taking the letter out of the mailbox happy looking dog yes there's there's terror in the world but it's a serene atmosphere and the last page the the mailbox is shattered there's no dog around and unfortunately the granddad's lying there charred oh it's it's absolutely heartbreaking and you know you know what's even more heartbreaking is that he hasn't read any of the letters that Doug has sent because I get the impression that he was reading the first letter whenever whatever happened happened yeah I think that's true because it does start in the first page you can see the the ripping open of the letter you can see the letter itself and then on the last page there's an envelope and yeah. a letter yeah um so yeah so just the, the dragon obviously came to where is it Chicago yeah yeah no it's not I don't know wherever they're at you know so, so end spoilers so, yeah. there end spoilers absolutely you know but on the plus side Peanut butter still all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's such such a good issue. I are absolutely heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. I know exactly what you mean. I'm glad you chose this because I couldn't have talked my way through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the kind of thing as well. It, it's you know I've talked about this before and on the pod. You know when when you then have a child and you become a dad and you make your parents grandparents, you think of how like your son would be how they react to their grandparents and then if they turned up with all this hope in their eyes and all this i can't wait to see the look in your face as we finally make it to you and we've made it to you as a family and you're going to be so proud of us and and then obviously that's what arrives but yeah it just it, it just does have that and it shows the power i mean kirkman can do this in a sleep at this point you know what i mean the man knows how to write emotional beats and get you invested in characters so that when these things do happen they do carry weight but yeah, with firepower, obviously it's 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 obviously too late to jump into it in single issues at this point. You know the end's just around the corner. But definitely keep it in mind next time you want to jump into a trade paperback series, as it's it's been one of the best titles oh, the last few it years. Absolutely, it absolutely has. You know the other thing about this issue is we haven't had a chance to see anything of Owen's reaction to his dad mm-hmm. dying. You know what I mean? They, you know, obviously he's there. He's he's lifting the mailbox up and everything else, but got it from the the grandson's point of view, not yeah the son's point of view it's uh yeah absolutely this this will be this will be the moment that that uh that powers them to win yeah i think so it's always darkest just before the dawn as they say um sacrifices always need to be made i mean i have read issue 29 
because it came out this week as well and it's a great issue as well it's not quite the emotional gut punch of this but that's a series that's ending really strongly and as i say we we do our best to keep the title on the shelves in the image comics graphic novel section at all times so yeah if you fancy jumping into a really brilliantly told tale uh, you could definitely do worse than Firepower from Kirkman and Sandy. I'm really interested to see what the last two issues bring, as you said, you've rested. But, I mean, the the dragon is defeated. Uh, Master Shaw is, at one point, on fire. But but is the dragon defeated? But is, the, is Master Shaw defeated? It's hard to say. Yeah, it's uh, a such such a great issue of such a great series. And this will be... Yeah, this was... Yeah, <laughs> Kirkman knows how to do it. He really does. Yeah, just no need for that. Like, oh no, well, I mean, there, there absolutely <laughs> is. You, you know, you love it, really. You yeah. know, you love well, it. Well, that's really. it. When it has, when you have that emotional connection, yeah. it's because you've, you've, you've been through everything with these characters, and you carry, you're invested. I mean, that's the power of storytelling in general. And yeah, Kirkman's just a master at it. Yeah, so. he really is. Firepower twenty eight, my second choice. Hundred percent. Speaking of a master, uh, we have another one in the making with Jed McKay currently doing the lord's work the lord being conchu himself on uh, on moon knight soon to be the vengeance of moon knight and uh, also on doctor strange but he's also uh, marshalling the core team book of the marvel universe with the avengers so my pick is avengers 6 by jed mckay with art by ivan fiorelli and it's uh, it was released on october the 11th so obviously jason aaron had a big massive long run on uh, on, on Avengers and uh, while it really ramped up towards the end I was looking forward to being to it being refreshed and uh, Jed McKay was just perfect for that so the a lot of what was happening in the Avengers was teased and and timeless uh, at the start of the year at the end of last year uh, and has come to pass uh, with these tribulation events and the Avengers were warned by by Kang the Conqueror their uh, now familiar time traveling enemy about a series of, of upcoming threats termed the tribulation events the first of the tribulation events soon made its way to earth and that was a group of villains known as the ashen combine the ashen combine launched attacks on cities all across the globe and each member of the combine was confronted by an opposing member of the avengers uh, and meanwhile black panther and captain america secretly infiltrated the impossible city which is the combine's sentient sort of city base that was in orbit around the earth so the battle between the avengers and the ashen combine sort of in this issue concludes on all fronts it's, it's a fight that has been going on since issue one so across sort of six issues and at, at multiple location been locations been shown in, in in various details with a hero versus a villain you know there was there was entire issues where what were particular heroes weren't seen at all you know so um but in Avengers 6, Jed sort of brings it all back together and uh, every unique circumstance of each Avenger is, is, is brought to a close, turning the table on the situations that seemed really um, sort of unconquerable. And it's just, it just is perfectly paced, just stays steady all the way through and there's so many threads, it could be easy just to, to just push through them all. I mean, Jed McKay is a is a writer who knows pacing, and he just gives everything time to breathe, allowing all the scenarios to play out, all the locations to establish their own identity, and at the end, it's a really satisfying conclusion to the first uh, the first arc, sort of of this new Avengers series, and it uh, leaves a few nice threads to 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 move on to, uh, and a 
potentially a new base that will be important to the rest of the series. So it's the best way to run a team book. All of the Avengers have have a moment in the spotlight in this issue. They have to find clever ways based on their own abilities to overcome their opponents uh, and in that way sort of define themselves and define who they are moving forward in, in, in McKay's story. Many of those ways are sort of not just their powers but their personalities, you know, Tony Stark, the futurist, uh, and, the, and their histories, but all of them are, are really clever, really innovative, and all sort of nearly have a slightly a slightly dark side. So, for example, the Vision. The Vision is a product of Ultron, and he unleashes some part of him that is Ultron in order to overcome the foe that he is fighting. But yeah, it's 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 really cool stuff, and uh, and also then the inclusion of the Impossible City, this this headquarters of the Ashen Combine that itself is a sentient, it's a sentient being. It's got a life and a personality. Uh, it's been a prisoner of the Ashen Combine, so it's it's really uh, really interesting stuff. The art uh, is absolutely brilliant the artist is ivan fiorelli and it's just there's all these places all these different cities and they're they all have their own identity it really gives the the avengers a a globe spanning feel and the the way the art adapts is is awesome you know you've got the the technology of iron man and the the energy and the physicality of captain marvel and the ashen combine are really cool looking villains really cool designs designed around certain themes um, very, very, very alien, but maybe more like gods, as is the case whenever Thor encounters his foe. But they discover eventually they have the, the the Avengers discover the vulnerabilities, and uh, that is, just looks brilliant. The colors just throughout this explosive finale, everything's big, everything's bright, everything's exploding energy. Uh, you know whether it's Thor's blue lightning or Scarlet Witch's red hex magic or all of those sorts of signature colors it's just i suppose the issue is just a real triumphant it's like the it's like the final the final blows in a in a rocky movie knockout punches great arc demonstrating the, the force and the severity of the of what what jed mckay's setting up to challenge the avengers team it's a a great team a fairly fairly big team but balanced to deal with crisis on a global scale so we see the we see the heroes as individuals. We see them as a as a collective, and there's a there's a real togetherness to the team that you didn't necessarily feel in Jason Aaron's run a lot of the time. But you've got all these really big personalities, really dominant personalities, and uh, I just I just uh, just a fantastic a fantastic issue, a fantastic end to the arc. It just stayed interesting and adaptable and changing. And, uh, yep, I think, uh, I mean, with this being the opening arc of a new Avengers title, I think Jed McKay has played a played a strong game. I am really interested to see what he follows it with. It's going to be hard to follow, but uh, he'll manage. Well, he's shown it with Moon Knight. He's more than happy to do long-form storytelling, multiple arcs. I mean, even with Moon Knight, issue 30 is going to be the end of it, but he's continuing it with Vengeance of the Moon Knight. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Jed McKay's very much positioned himself as one of Marvel's top guys. He has. He yeah. has. Uh, were you? Are you on Avengers? No, I haven't. I haven't been on. I might pick it up and trade though. Sounds pretty cool. That uh, that that first article trade fantastically. Yeah, I mean that that's it. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this and you haven't jumped on Avengers, as Keith said, that's the end of the first arc. So I'm sure the trade paperback will not be uh, far behind, and, and would probably be the best way of catching up on that. So that was Avengers number six. So 
I'll, we'll move away from there and back to the world of indie once again with my uh, third pick from the month of October, and that is American Psycho number one. So this is written by Michael Calero, who I must admit is a, a writer I'm not overly familiar with. The artist on this is Piotr Kowalski, who is an artist I, I do have familiarity with. He was the artist on a Joe Casey image series called Sex, which is actually really, really good. It's all about repressed superheroes. I had to take away the uh, the divider in the store for it, though, in the image comics section, because I was sick of kids coming in and pointing out going, huh, sex. Now, <laughs> now, now, unfortunately, they just do and go, huh, sex criminals. So, uh, <coughs> but uh, no, really, really talented artist. Did a really cool um, spider horror series recently as well um, called Ollie at Eyes, which was really, really good. Yeah, when it comes to American Psycho, I've always always been a big fan of Brett Easton Ellis's uh, title. You know, when I was... In secondary school, so many years ago, the book actually formed the basis of my dissertation. Oh yeah, in English lit, yeah. Uh, I was I was all about antiheroes in uh, in uh, American American literature. And then when the Mary Harron directed movie adaptation starring Christian Bale came out, I was there opening weekend. I mean, I may have been seventeen and the movie rated eighteen, but I clearly pulled out my Patrick Bateman charm and uh, worked <laughs> my way into that cinema. Your scene. psychopath charm. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have to go to such extremes. <laughs> but uh, no, I've been a fan of Ellis's books since. Uh, some of my favorite books of the last while were, were written by him. Um, so when a comic book was solicited a few months back, I wasn't wasn't actually sure what they expect, to be honest. You know, the cover art, as you can see, you know, it's very much in line with the look of Christian Bale from uh -huh. the movie. You know, was this a straightforward adaptation? Well, no, it's, it's something much more interesting than that. And, you know, I, I spoke about it a little bit in our previews podcast. Uh, from Sumerian Comics and what they seem to be doing with uh, these movie properties. They're setting stories within the continuity of the movie property, but from a different point of view or from a different character's point of view. So with this book, um, American Psycho, it's set in two different time periods. So we're first introduced to a new character in 1987, so has that same rage seething beneath the surface that we know is there with Patrick Bateman, but he's yet to strike or give in to that urge or desire to kill. Until tonight, you know, the, the book starts off, he does his morning routine, he's like, right, today's the day, I'm going to do it. You know, he follows a woman, he's about to strike, when that's when it inserts it into the movie from, uh, there's a scene where Patrick meets a woman at a, a set of traffic lights and crosses the road with her and then it cuts to the next day and he's twirling a bit of hair behind his ear in his office, so he's obviously, you know, killed her or whatever. He was basically about to pounce until he saw Patrick Bateman come in and Patrick charms her home obviously but the thing is this new character we're introduced to he tails Patrick and he takes up um, solace across the road and he watches with his binoculars seeing mm -hmm. what they're up to you know it's really fun because obviously this is set during the late 80s a hedonistic late 80s yuppie period all that kind Wall of stuff Street. you know greed is good and all yeah. that kind of stuff so you know like he looks over all these different windows of all these different things that the rich and elite are up to but he settles on Patrick's and he actually sees, first of all, them have sex. But then he watches Patrick brutally murdering her. So suffice to say, Bateman now has a fan. Yeah. You know, it's a unique way of weaving through the events of the movie, putting a new perspective on them. And I'm, and I'm curious to see where that goes next. But it's also conjoined to a second story, which is set in 2011. And we follow a character called Charlie Crothers. And she's a social media obsessed millennial but who also harbors those deep urges to engage in a killing spree. Like there's a scene where she ends up in the bathroom with some guy 
and he wants to you know go down on her or whatever this is a uh, adult podcast apologies um but she imagines <laughs> like, now, yeah. she imagines like taking an axe to his head doesn't do it of course but she has these urges so there there's your through line i suppose but you know by the end of the issue she's actually set up for a murder but she doesn't actually commit it herself there's no clear link between the two stories just yet but i'll be curious to see how they actually link it moving forward um but yeah all in all i thought it was a great start to american psycho mythos you know i'm i'm here for it i don't know if it's necessarily your sort of thing but um i mean i've seen the movie i didn't read a dissertation about it um <laughs> but i wrote a dissertation about the book okay perfect uh so yeah, I mean, I, I saw it at the time. It probably deserves a rewatch, but no, I don't know if I don't know if I would go as far as as the comic book. Uh, but it sounds good. That sounds is. like a, a really interesting way to. Uh, it's an interesting way because they've they've done it with American Psycho. Basic Instinct just came out. We talked about it in the previous podcast. Uh-huh, yep. The Fog's gonna do it. So it's an interesting way of revisiting movies, but not just doing a bland yeah, adaptation doing a, yeah, you know doing a, doing a different take on it it's, yeah, different... it's like we were talking about you know with the mandalorian and obi-wan uh-huh. they're literally just beat for beat yeah. adaptations mm-hmm. and if you've seen the show there's nothing you to, to gain there you know so yeah it's an interesting way of doing it and as i say it's all being done under this uh, comic label called sumerian which is published by massive comics so yeah good stuff cool good stuff i am going to take us back into the world of image comics with the call number three uh, written by Kelly Thompson, uh, art by Matteo Delius. Um, it was an October 11th release. And how best to catch you up on this visually stunning book? Cleo and her friends snuck out early to make a film and fall into another dimension, maybe, in search of uh, a missing younger brother of one of the number, I suppose is maybe the, the swiftest way to, 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 to catch you up. It's definitely an oversight, I think, Alan, that we haven't uh, listed one of the first two issues as one of our picks of the week uh, over the past couple of months. But probably because, I mean, I read this and Kelly Thompson almost has me sort of eschewing any kind of speculation and just letting go and sort of really enjoying the ride. Like the first two issues, issue three looks absolutely phenomenal as i said just visually stunning matteo delius who was uh, mark wade's contemporary on the recent invisible woman mini and awesome covers for captain america uh, many other things offers some absolutely magnificent art on every page of the issue uh, it's it's just captivating stuff and it sort of draws you into to every page and every panel in this issue, Cleo and her friends, they, they've entered, in the first issue, they entered this accidentally, almost entered this new world. And in issue three, they're being transformed by this new world, but it comes at a cost. Wade confronts this strange creature that they call the Red Panda uh, from the beach. And it begins not only to take on human form, but also mimic, uh, mimic speech. As the rest of the friends arrive from various situations that they find themselves in in issue two they discover that it's not only not only is the is the world this world learning about them but it's changing them as well and when one of the friends one of the group doesn't evolve in this way the creature tries to destroy them and their race they start to race back to the beach and they reveal at the end of the issues that their world the world they come from our world has been changed as well it's a really it's a really intense story and it's getting more intense with every issue with a big jump up in this issue and it's it's continues to be exciting and compelling and as i say it's a, a totally engaging ride i'm I'm just letting go and just 
uh, just letting it happen. It's very, very inventive, very interesting. There are some some great moments of revelation throughout this issue and how the characters transform, what it means for the story. So I'm, I'm really enjoying the action. I really enjoyed the cliffhanger, but I'm, I'm really enjoying the characters more than anything. And issue three picks up, as I say, where, where we left off as our characters were split up and and they're about to learn a whole lot more about this world. And the previous issue, issue two, really helped de- sort of define each character a bit more. We met them in the first issue, defined them in the second issue, and now we're we're looking at the world, but giving them a chance to connect with each other. Uh, and it's time for them all to discover something about themselves. And I think in this way, Kelly Thompson is kind of exploring teenage years and growing up and that sort of thing. But the the focus is sort of on one of the characters who has had dark thoughts and and changes or doesn't change as as I guess maybe as a result of that. So it's just we mentioned uh, earlier on about perfect creative teams with with Universal Monsters Dracula, and this is another example of a a perfect creative team doing something entirely new and exciting. So while Dracula is an adaptation, this is completely original, very very exciting have no idea where it's going but i think it's going to get stranger it's going to get even even weirder are you on this no not a book i'm on unfortunately oh my goodness yeah i mean it was one i wanted to jump on with it being kelly thompson i think it was another one of those people coming to it late type scenarios i gave up my first two issues and sort of thought i'll jump into a trade i mean i've got a good collection of image trades that i pick up so i'm sure i will add that to the very very long list also through the issues if you want also true, also true. Um, cool. What's next for your good self? So that was the cull number three, so my one non-indie book of the month. <laughs> it's uh, Marvel Zombies, Black, White and Blood. And I'll be honest, this is not something I was not massively excited about. I've never read the original Marvel Zombies. I believe it was Kirkman that did it at Marvel, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I There was actually a Marvel Zomnibus that came in recently, which is uh, a lot of that work all collected together. But I mean, there's there's two or three iterations. Kirkman wasn't involved in them all, I don't think. Yeah, I think this was the later ones because um, I think I read some of it. It was like Marvel Zombies Resurrection or something. But I've never read the original ones. Obviously, I've read Deceased since, which is DC's version of it, uh-huh. let's be honest. But uh, I didn't have any massive pull to this. But two things grabbed me. One was the cover, which is just gloriously gruesome with oh, Wolverine. Undead Wolverine. And uh, the fact that Garth Ennis was writing the first story. Okay, that'll do it. So that was enough to draw me in. And the first story is kind of heartbreaking for me to read because I'm a huge Daredevil fan. And it's done in a way that shows how helpless Daredevil is. So I'm guessing the crux of Marvel Zombies was that even when they're turned into zombies, they're not brainless. They they still have some sort of thought process. They still have some... It, it, it's almost like they have lingering links to their past. They're not all the way gone, or maybe that's just to do with mm-hmm. heroes, perhaps. But um, the first story, the, the Garth Ennis one, Rachel Stott is the artist on. It's called Undefeated. And the idea behind it is that basically a bunch of criminals have uh, managed to capture Daredevil, who has been turned into one of these zombies, and they essentially use him as their battering ram in like an underground fight club. So they take bets on it. It's like, oh, who can defeat the Daredevil? Uh All this kind of thing. And obviously Daredevil's so well-trained that he just takes down any opponent. 
But there's cool little details, you know, along the way. Like, the guy who's the head of the Fight Club has, like, a Captain America mask draped over his face. You know, his cap died in this zombie outbreak and someone's come across the mask. Uh-huh. Whatever it is. But, you know, it's really tough to, to sort of read in a way because once Daredevil wins the fight, they pull up, like, this long pole with a choker on the end and put it around Daredevil's neck and they drag him like uh-huh. an animal, throw him down into the sewers. Not our Daredevil, Daredevil. zombie Daredevil. Yeah, zombie Daredevil, I should say. Um, you know, Daredevil is, you know, feasting on, he's, he's thrown down body parts to keep mm. him fed in between fights and stuff. But it gets to this point where the three guys who take him down to the sewers turn around and there's a shadow overhanging them. And then the next thing you see is it's Frank Castle. Do, uh-huh. do you remember me? So he's actually sitting above the sewer entry and he says to Daredevil, I heard they had you here. I can finish it for you now if you like or I can turn you into a walking bomb and tomorrow you can take these animals with you. <laughs> so basically Frank Castle injects him with a bomb. They don't notice it that like he's all stitched up. It's really quite a horrific image of, of a distorted yeah, Daredevil body. Yeah, yeah. But you can see the incisions. So Frank has inserted a bomb. And it basically ends with Daredevil looking up to the light one last time, letting out a big massive ha ha ha, and Frank Castle walks away. Frank Castle's always in silhouette though. Like Marvel still have a weird thing about Frank Castle Punisher with guns. I don't know what it is, but apparently the artist said this was the only way they could insert him in this oh, story. Okay, all right. But the second story is probably the one that would get you the most. The second story is uh, called Hope. Uh-huh. Alex Segura is the writer and Javi Fernandez is the artist. And it basically takes place during a massive outbreak in the Daily Bugle building. And Spider-Man's there to help. As ever, he's defending J. Jonah Jameson, who will always refer to him as a webbed menace, but Spidey's always there to do it. But as Spider-Man's fighting through the hordes, he gets cracked over the back of the head by someone. And he turns around to find out who it is, and it's Zombie Aunt May. Ugh. And she's shouting at him, where is he? Where's Peter? What have you done with my nephew? You know, Peter rips the mask off and he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't want to do this. But there's all these flashbacks in it where, like, you know, the narration's really quite heartbreaking. Like, Peter's like, this is wrong. It has to be a mirage, a trick of some kind. Norman or Harry, the jackal. Someone found out my identity and they've created an android or a clone. But it is her. I know it in my heart. Her perfume, I can still smell it through the stink of death and decay. And, and, like, there's wee details that are just quite heartbreaking. The stink of death. And that blouse, she bought it for herself a few days ago after months of saving. She had been so happy. Because uh, obviously Aunt May's always been quite hard yes, up. Yeah, but yeah, always looked after yeah. Peter. But, you know, there's little flashbacks. And the flashback art is like classic Peter Parker. Yes. You know, the glasses, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the waistcoat. I cooked your favorite breakfast, Peter. She gave me everything she could. She's a good woman, the best. But when he reveals his mask, when he takes his mask off and reveals himself to her, that's when it kicks in that she's still got some memories herself and she's like, please kill me, Peter. I've uh-huh. become a monster. Oh. And then you've just got this really brutal scene where he's just beating her to death and he's just like, keep telling myself it's not her. I repeat it over and over like a mantra. It's the only way I can do it. Any hope I stowed away turns to smoke. Um, I still can't accept it, all this kind of stuff. Jesus, but that's uh, rough. That's what I mean. They're, they're, they're really rough stories, but they're anthologies... They, they managed to get to the heart of the character yeah. really quickly, which I really, really like. The third story was a wee bit more disposable. It's written by Ashley Allen with art by Justin Mason. But it is worth reading just because it's 328 days after the zombie outbreak. We're following Moon Knight, who is um, being overlooked by Khonshu. 
and Tony Stark finds him in his Iron Man suit. Tony Stark is a zombie, and Moon Knight proceeds to beat the absolute crap out of him. It's oh, great, right? But yeah, it's just it's just a bloody superhero face off, yeah, you know, yeah, Moon Knight yeah, versus yeah. Iron Man sort of thing. But just as a book, it really surprised me, and and for it to be like a zombie horror book, I was surprised by how much the Peter Parker Aunt May story affected yeah. me. Who wrote that? Alex Segura. Yeah. Okay. And Javi Fernandez was the artist, and then the Ennis story was just you know typical you know ns violence slash humor yes you know. yes 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 i get um, you humor so, violence mid-humorous exactly yeah. so so yeah just for a book that's just about zombies and as i say about horror i was surprised by how much feeling and emotion there was into it so yeah really great first issue but that's the thing with these anthology books you can pick up any issue you want if it's just a creator you like or a character you like um and the, the quality can vary in them from time to time but yeah when they get them right they can be pretty excellent so yeah, yeah i really enjoyed this marvel zombies black white and blood number one sweet okay then uh another one from me then and i think another oversight on our part but this is sensational she hulk number one written by R- rainbow rowell uh, with a backup story by jessica gao art as by uh, andrew Ginolette and uh Colors by D. Uh, it was a Marvel Comics uh, October 18th release. And as I say, another oversight site in our part because I just realized that while I have spoken an awful lot about the Fantastic She-Hulk title, this is the first time that we've opted to include it as a, as a pick of the week. And with a new number one, why not? Do you? you know? She-Hulk really shouldn't be that special. I mean, parset wise, she's a Hulk. You know, she's super strong. She's super tough she's not the only marvel hero that breaks the fourth wall she's not the only one to have a complicated love life uh you know to have you know, snappy banter and yet she is special in fact she's sensational rainbow royals she hulk run i think understood or understands even i say understood that's just a continuation of <laughs> it's just a continuation of her series but i think un- understands that and the pressures of that and the original series went about creating this sort of new status quo, this new dynamic, this new spot for, for She-Hulk to occupy. And with the book's relaunch as Sensational She-Hulk, that space is only sort of expanding and uh, hopefully will will bring more readers on board because it really has been a fantastic series. So it's a, the first issue, Sensational She-Hulk number one, is a jumping on point, obviously. It's gorgeous, it's thoughtful, and it's just further proof that Jan Walters is very special amongst uh, a whole load of her superpowered peers. Whenever we left things in She-Hulk 1, She-Hulk and the Punch Club, which is her fight club uh, made up of various heroes and villains that uh, can take digs from (laughs) She-Hulk and give them back. (laughs) They had fought a horde of aliens that was hellbent to destroy New York City. Jack of Hearts also assisted by absorbing the energy of the nuclear bomb that the scoundrel planted. And before leaving, Jack, completely filled with radiation, gave Jen a huge kiss before flying off into space. It was seemingly the end of Jen's adventures, but as series editor Nick Lowe said, Punch Club forever. And that leads us into a sensational She-Hulk number one. So it picks up sometime after the events of that last run. Jack and Jen are are in love with each other. Punch Club is still a thing. However, Rainbow Royal sort of presents Jennifer Walters as a more as someone who's more comfortable with herself, more confident. And the I suppose the acting, the the uh, the expressions that Jenelette creates look 
just really genuine, really sincere. Because <laughs> She-Hulk just sort of feels almost like the conduit into the Marvel Universe. I suppose that fourth wall breaking thing. <laughs> but she, she heads into the office. You see her head into the office and she's she's doing sort of She-Hulk stuff, helping out builders who are whistling at her by lifting girders up with one hand sort of stuff. It's some great stuff. Um, and I mean, this, this, this confidence is obviously due to... Due to sort of her relationship with with jack we've got the the legal side i mean she hulk jen walters is also a, a lawyer she's got her own superhuman clients uh, in this case it's carcass and ransack the reject two deviants who are coming in to to look at property dispute their landlords throwing them out and they're looking for somewhere else to live so there's that and then we've got uh, we've got an interlude with punch club which features the thing and uh, titania and volcana uh, and, uh, and the absorbing man <laughs> knocking each other out. Jack of Hearts appears. It just is. Uh, it's just a a great a great jumping on point for She Hulk. Um, it does end uh, with the inclusion of uh, of Jen's erstwhile cousin, mm-hmm. the uh, the Incredible Hulk, and he's drawn in his uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson style. So uh, so Bruce Banner's appearing on the scene. So yeah, just absolutely great to uh, to see this series continue. Have you been reading this? No, I've never been oh, a She-Hulk guy. Oh my goodness. I've never been a She-Hulk guy. I don't think you have to be a She-Hulk mm-hmm. guy to read this. I think I think it's just good comics. It's just good comics, just good creators. There's rarely been as good a match for She-Hulk as, as Rainbow Royale. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Dan Slott did a fantastic run on, on She-Hulk, but... Uh, I mean, I, I read bits and pieces of it, but this this just grabbed me. This is this comic book is just all heart. Mm-hmm. It is. It's such such a lovely book, such a such an entertaining book. It it feels it feels genuine. Jen feels like a real person. It's uh, a very very cool stuff. Uh, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Always glorious covers to put on the racks because it's Jen Bartel's been doing yes, it for quite some exactly, time. Yeah, so yeah. it's good to see that that's continued. I mean. That seems to be something Marvel's doing at the moment. They're restarting new volumes of things with the same creative team, but adding a subtitle. Uh-huh. So it was She-Hulk with Rainbow Rowell, now it's sensational. sensational She-Hulk, it yeah. was Moon Knight with Jed McKay, it's about to be Vengeance of the Moon Knight. Yep. So it's it's an interesting way, I suppose, of trying to hook new readers yeah, in as well. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 a trap. it's a trap we're in, I suppose. But, uh, I mean, I really hope it does, because it's it's just a just a, a, a gorgeous, punchy book, you mm-hmm. know, and just, just, as I say, just full of heart, full of heart, so... Sensational She-Hulk number one. So, speaking of number ones, we're going to come to my final pick of the month, um, and then Keith's final pick of the month. Both are number ones, and both we read, and both we thought were great. Uh, I'll kick things off with Transformers number one. Oh, I can just see the the wheels in Keith's head turning <laughs> as I pick this book up. Yeah, so of course this is the start of the new Energon universe properly in. Well, I say properly, Void Rivals is it properly, but this is the the first familiar franchise being put into the Energon universe. And like the hype around this book before it came out was massive. I mean, IDW started a run on Transformers not too long ago. I remember we were all reading it and it was a good book, but it lost its way after not too long. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> you know, this this feels like the first proper, completely fresh start for Transformers in quite some time. It's, of course, moved across the image Skybound under the tutelage of Robert Kirkman. It's linked to Void Rivals. That was your first appearance. It's going to be linked to G.I. Joe. It's going to be linked to Duke and Cobra Commander and all these all these cool things. But, I mean, 
the main draw of this book instantly for me was three words daniel warren and johnson uh yes writing and drawing this book being the creator of my favorite book book for the last two years do a powerball last year wonder woman dead earth the year before and we ordered big on this book like diamond told us we were in the top five stores in the uk for how many of this book was ordered we that going for you we're with probably 20 copies left wow uh we ordered well in excess of 100 i i just took a punt on it i mean we've got about 32 people with it and pull lists now but i took a punt on it because it's a new number one it's image so it's a fresh start it's daniel warren johnson kirkman's involved it's the start of the energon universe people will come to this late i think and of course they will because this first issue was absolute quality brilliant everything from the establishment of the human characters we're going to have in this to the relationship between the Autobots and the Decepticons, to surprising character deaths from the Autobots side of things. I don't want to go into too many specifics or spoilers on this because it's still really early in the run, so I don't want to ruin things for people, but suffice to say there's characters that normally we would follow in any Transformers story that are just very quickly wiped out in this. That's not to say they won't come back at some points because... Mm -hmm. No one and no robot ever really dies in comics. But it was still a really, really shocking moment. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> you're just reading and you're like, what? What is that? What are you doing? Like, literally, the response to it is one sent to another. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a brutal book in ways as well. But, you know, being a, a massive Daniel Warren Johnson fan, he is also a massive wrestling fan. There are two pages in this that will geek out any wrestling fan. First of all, where Optimus Prime pulls off a short arm clothesline, Jake the Snake style, and then another part where he does a German suplex. I mean, robots doing right. This is just right up my alley. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's cool robot fighting action. There's, as I say, there's great world building done in the first issue. You know, it's an oversized issue. No adverts the whole way through it. You know, there's there's great moments with the the human characters. There's there was a moment in it where our uh, our the main human character we're following is called Spike. Um, where he is looking on as Optimus cradles the body of he who we, we will not name. Uh-huh. And he feels empathy in that moment because uh-huh. it's already been established there's a tragedy in his past with his father and I'm guessing a brother who died and uh-huh. that kind of thing. So even though there's this strange situation of these huge robots fighting in front of him, he still feels empathy for this yep. This in front of them. Yeah, just absolutely brilliant stuff. It feels big, it feels epic, it feels important. Issue two is every bit as good as well, which I'm I'm delighted to say. Got these great iconic moments. You have to turn the comics sideways, but Transformers roll out. Um, you can literally feel or you can literally hear Peter Cullen's voice the whole way through. This. You know where you can also hear Peter Cullen's voice. Invincible. Invincible. Yep. I had to. I I had to pause uh, Amazon Prime and go. I said, Bruna, I went. That's Peter Cullen's voice. She's like, who? And I paused that and I went, yep. <laughs> there we are <laughs> she said who and you looked at her and said get out <laughs> but yeah no it's a real real fresh start for transformers because the other thing is as well in recent times any times there's been a restart or reboot for transformers they nearly always set it in cybertron yeah they they set it on earth when it comes to like live action adaptations but not yep. so much comic adaptations well this i mean this is a retelling of the original generation one yeah, definitely, definitely cuts close to that, but it, it it does veer in its own way as well, which it's, is something that's great. That feels fresh. You know? I mean, in the in the first two or three pages, it it gives more depth to Spike and Sparkplug than than the entire TV series ever did. Yeah, this this is this is a more adult, a more mature adaptation of 
of the Gen 1 cartoon from from what I can see. Obviously, you've got the fun in it. Like, you've got the, as you say, the wrestling moves and, you know, this and that and the other. But this is, it's 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 a more mature, it's a more mature take on the same story as we're already seeing from some of the some of the shock deaths. So yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm totally with you. I mean, this this was this was pre-sold <laughs> to me. You know, it was just. I mean, I've been a fan of Transformers since the original cartoon through Marvel and Marvel UK. Some of the ADW stuff. I think I've got some of the Dreamwave stuff as well. Yeah, but it's just just. I mean, obviously, Void Rivals did what it did, set everything on fire. As far as I know, was. Like become the best-selling comic ever to feature Transformer in history, <laughs> <laughs> but so this is just this was just perfectly ter- perfectly said, as you say, a perfect a perfect team with Daniel Warren Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer, and it is your it is your your basic Transformer setup, uh, but just familiar, but but just not not quite. This is this is Robert, you know, this almost feels like Robert Kirkman. The, pulling the strings a little pulling bit. The, yeah, almost yeah. going, well, yeah, I know what everybody's expecting, so let's subvert those expectations, like he did between the comic and the TV series of The Walking Dead, you know, those yeah. sorts of things. So, so yeah, the shocking character deaths. <laughs> well, no, uh, Not only that, how violent Starscream is towards yeah, humans. Squishies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's a, I mean, he's a psychopath. Starscream's yeah. a psychopath, he always has been, but, but yeah, just the, you know, those, those moments in the first few pages juxtaposing whatever war jimmy has died in don't know what yeah. I, I assume iraq maybe or afghanistan against uh teletran one crash landed on earth and bark plug cradling jimmy's body and but yeah it's uh but i even love like the the awe in certain moments as well like there's a part where optimus is saving spike for example running through flames yeah. and even the other transformers are looking at him like whoa like really impressive yeah, like that's yeah why we follow the, that the way we look at optimus prime yeah. <laughs> but yeah just everything about it feels big and epic as i say and i know daniel warren johnson's confirmed just for the first six issues as far as i know uh-huh. i don't know if he'll continue beyond that but you just know it's going to be six issues of excellence i mean i'm guessing you haven't read issue two no yet. i haven't read issue two yet there's a great moment in issue two that ties into the rest of the energy on you they're, they're just little details they do but you sort of get like a little tinge of excitement when you notice and you're like, oh, this is cool. You well, know? yeah, I mean, the, even some of the, 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 the preview pages for Duke mm-hmm. suggest that that's the reason that Duke is sort of reactivated because of the things they've discovered about the Transformers. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of cool. Just linking those, those things together is, is absolutely brilliant. But it, it looks brilliant. I mean, it, I mean, Mike Spicer. Yeah, always does the color. Is always the colorist for Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah, yeah. That just makes his artwork sing. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, truly brilliant one. And what's great about it is as well, it's it's great for long long time Transformers fans. But if this is your first ever Transformers book, I think you'll fall in love with it just oh, as quickly could, as well. You could jump right in. You could jump right in. As I say, a slightly 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 more mature adaptation of the of the tale. Yeah, uh, and uh, really interested to see where it where it goes sure i really love i've read a few different reviews of it and stuff and nearly every single one of them and like the positive side of it always they just write suplex <laughs> <clears throat> well daniel warren johnson is gonna have it is it yeah. oh yeah big fan cool so that is me finished for the month of october or is it i don't think so because this is one i know we've both read I'm both uh, both very impressed with that. Yeah, absolutely. Say. I think these two could have been flipped one way or another. I could have picked. You could have picked. Yeah. So I'm looking at uh, Gods Number One, written by Jonathan Hickman, 
art by Valerio Shidi from Marvel Comics and released in the first week of the month on October 4th. Gods has a very chunky price tag coming in at $9.99, went out at what? In sterling? Uh, that would be £9. £9, so chunky enough price tag, but it is also a chunky triple-sized issue, and not only that, but it's chock full of quality and visual storytelling. Right out of the gate, this one felt like a blockbuster movie to me. Um, I was very excited about where it's going, and having finished the first issue, I'm very excited about where it's going. Well, just on that price tag, just very quickly, I mean, I saw some people giving the creators a little bit of chip on social media, as all social media seems to be these yeah, days. Yeah. But Valero Shiti actually responded to it and said, look, we don't control the pricing. Yep. This could have been broken up into two $5 issues. We don't have control of that, but what we can give you is our very best work, yeah, and yeah. this will be worth yeah, picking up. Absolutely. And it's completely right. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I mean it's heavy in the hand. <laughs> it's, see, to be honest, when I finished it, it felt like I'd read a graphic novel. Yeah, it really did. It's a it's a big story, and that's what I mean about it feeling like a blockbuster. Yeah, you don't feel shortchanged. No, really. definitely not. And So what, what Hickman, who is largely considered to be the greatest thinker in comics today what he's doing is he's setting out to recontextualize and reinvent the marvel cosmology through a street level viewpoint you talked about street level earlier yeah. on and how playing with the the contrast of science and magic the book opens with what's called a babylon event a new term one of many new terms that hickman inserts in here that refers to a, a seismic shift in the balance of power and reality. And when who seems to be the hero converses with Doctor Strange about the nature of good and evil before going to deal with this event involving mythical beings attempting to summon eldritch demons. There's a split narrative as well. The readers are introduced to Aiko, who's drinking at a bar while waiting for when to appear. Once he arrives, the they discuss their roles in the universe. Wynn serves, we find out that Wynn serves as the avatar of the powers that be. That's the powers that be. All he he also reminded me of you with one line of dialogue as well, which was from Iko saying, the man has an unhealthy aversion to watches, clocks, calendars. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> um, and Iko, she's just accepted a role working under the natural order of things, again, all capital letters. And these diverging paths lead Iko to shit when, and then, then present him with divorce papers. And then the book jumps back to now as another as this Babylon event looms, and we see the two sides of balance of these these uh, fundamental forces of the universe uh, working side by side to defeat this twisted mage scientist thing called Cubis Kakor. Hickman does a great job of finding fantastic artists to work with uh, on all his projects. Uh, no difference here where he works with uh, Valerio Shidi, and much of I guess the emotional resonance comes from Shidi's art. Great action. There's some awe-inspiring images of, of massive scale things, but there's also there's also all of this acting, you know, all of this character acting, all of these facial expressions, the sort of snarky smiles, the charm, the pain on the faces of, of, of these characters. And you could with another writer, with another artist, you could you could sort of go, ah, right, okay. Um, when he's just a he's just a budget Doctor Strange, but with Sheedy drawing him, there's something else there. There's something a wee bit Constantiney. Mm -hmm. uh, there's something dark. There's something um, broken. 
Even the cynicism is yeah, very constant. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's this, you know, you see the cocky swagger, but there's something more beneath it. And I'm, uh, you're, you're just, you're just trying to work them out. And then on the other side, literally on the other side, magic and science. On the other side of this divide, Aiko is, is different. She's got a real kind of confidence. She knows what she wants. Real clean cut she knows what she wants she knows how to get it she knows what she'll give up to get it she's yeah i mean suppose cold and calculating in that scientific way yeah uh and, and she represents that and she's ready to, to go out and get what she get go out what she wants but whenever whenever she catches wind's eye there's there's just a wee bit of there's a wee bit of something else so a load of banter dense writing in the in the in the hickman style there's a lot of of hickman style design elements as well uh within it um, but this book seems to break his usual pattern. I think in a way it's more emotional. It's more melancholic. Some of the stuff that I really like, melancholy of of, uh, of being immortal, that sort of stuff, doomed romances. So he's doing, you know, Hickman's doing his, his usual stuff, <laughs> fundamental forces, reality shattering events. But there's also the push and pull of the relationship and when and Ico and they're, chat and their tragedy i think what you said is right i think i felt fully satisfied at the end of this because it almost could have been a self-contained issue it introduced some cool new characters and this world this entire segment of the marvel universe that we're seeing much more fully while also integrating it beautifully into the mu largely through doctor strange it feels like it feels like it's part of the marvel universe but also outside it Mm-hmm. And over the past few months, Hickman and Marvel have made these new characters feel like established parts of the MU, where uh, when turned up at the Hellfire Gala, for example, and you've had all those wee one-page backstories from gods. How, how important were those, do you think? Because you would have read most of the books yeah, those appeared in. Because they, they kept doing that little thing on the cover, didn't they, saying who are the gods? Who are the gods. I would be interested to go back and read them mm-hmm. again, but certainly mm-hmm. what they did was they made it feel like these characters have always, always been, been yeah there. exactly so and and that's the way they should feel being avatars of the powers that be in the natural order of things so i mean while while for me decorum felt very much like hickman's opus it's very possible that this could be his marvel opus there's there's a, a weight to the story not just to the book itself because it is a chunky book and somewhere else i heard someone refer to it as hickman's sandman but that i'll just hold fire on that particular opinion those are big words <laughs> but this is a hickman book that that promises i think something new for the marvel universe and also something different from what hickman usually does not that he usually does anything but you know what i mean he's got a yeah. style you know and there's there's more there's more tragedy there's more stark raw emotion and that that's an excellent hook building on the promise of this street level approach to these massive entities and powers and I, I absolutely was not worried about the nine point price tag by the time I was finished. Yeah, I mean, a couple of notes on it. I've, I've only just noticed it there as we're obviously flicking through the book while we're chatting about it. Another thing that justifies the price tag, there is one advert in that whole book. Really? Didn't notice. And the only reason I think it's there, it's an advert for Daredevil Black Armor. Okay. The only reason I think it's there is because Marvel does this thing where it says, don't forget to... Um, take the free digital copy oh, yeah 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 it's, there's no other advert in that book 
the yeah. whole way. The narrative, the narrative it. never breaks. Brilliant. So that's one thing. It's it's totally taken for granted, but it's also a testament to how invested you get in the story. Yep. You know, because there are times you're reading comics like, oh, bloody advert, you know, that kind of thing. So that adds to the value as well. You're not picking up a thicker book, but it's filled with 12 pages of adverts. Um, strangely for Hickman, no information pages. Not really, no, no. There's not one. No, there's, there's a 10 years later, and that's it. Yeah. There, there's no... Yeah. Um, the gods all came about because of this symbol, yes. you know, like they did with certainly the Krakoa era. Yeah. And something I would no. say about it is that it's probably, John, despite the huge ideas, it's really, really approachable. Yeah. You know, you don't feel confused by the time you get a few pages into it. You understand characters' motivations, you understand their past, you understand these big level events. And yeah, it just it feels so self-contained. Now, I have read issue two and it's it's very, very good as well. But it starts to introduce a more longer form narrative. Okay, cool. Whereas this is very much a, here's an adventure. This adventure is finished. You like these characters? Here's where we're here's going. More, yeah, yeah. Cool. So you could almost treat it as a one shot. One other thing, just as you talk about him being like Doctor Strange, I don't know if you've seen the Scotty Young cover for this, but no, it's great. Okay. Um, okay I cool. will. Uh, I will just come. I don't want to bastardize it and get it wrong. So I'm just going to open up my CLZ here, which is always very handy to have. Mm-hmm. close by but basically the idea behind it is that um there's a kid standing in front of win and he goes and he's dressed up like dr strange uh-huh. hey dr strange can i have your autograph sorry kid i'm not dr strange my name is win do you have a mustache and a beard yes white streaks in your hair yes you do magic and stuff <laughs> yes hey dr strange can i have your autograph <laughs> Which is actually pretty cool. Uh, one of Scotty's best ones. So um, yeah, no, I was I was thoroughly thoroughly entertained by this, and yeah, I I do throw a lot of that at the art as well. Very emotive, tons of different expressions, um, and yet it felt big and epic. So yeah, great great pick, um, great book. Mm-hmm. Full stop. And issue two, as I say, I'm I'm in this for the long haul. So yeah, hundred percent. We don't know how long it's going to be. We no, were yeah. we were it, yeah. curious on this when we were doing the previews pod. We don't. Well, long long may it last. Long may it last. Indeed, indeed. So, final pick of the month of October is God's number one, which fully justifies that hefty ten dollar price tag, uh, with tons of great stuff. Mm. So yeah, that is our picks from October that are most deserving of your dollar. Some of those books are are number ones. There's actually quite a lot of number ones through this, so we can certainly help you out with those. Some of them are best enjoyed once it hits trade paperback, and of course, Noir Burlesque is just a hardcover graphic novel as well. So. As ever, it's always a pleasure chatting yeah, comics. Yeah, fantastic. Ran a little late, but pleasure to do it. Always makes me want to go back and reread them again. But yeah. then I remember I have a stack of new stuff waiting in the house. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of stacks. You have so. triple stacks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed this as ever. Always appreciate anybody who listens to it. Feel free to you know spread the word if you think anybody would enjoy listening to our dulcet tones uh, discussing comics and uh it's great to be back on to a good routine with it, and it won't be too far before we jump into the month of November, when Keith's caught up reading, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers, guys. And until next time, try not to mix up your mystical Marvel magic users. So, I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes, and on Twitter, where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1, and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland, based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. 
make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.